0: Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. This week is one about greatness and smallness. It tells the story of Naaman. And Naaman was a great man. He's the kind of guy who would have been given a lot of high fives in his life. In fact, he's the only Gentile in the Old Testament referred to as a mighty man of valor. He was the commander of the Syrian army. He'd been successful in battle against the Israelites, and he continued to host raids against their land. And while he was a great man, wealthy, powerful, esteemed, he was a man in need of healing. Naaman's skin was diseased, but his greatness was diseased too. There was something about both that needed healing. His greatness came at the cost of plundering, of raising whole communities, and taking captives. For in the ancient Near East, skin diseases didn't go, they weren't just skin deep. In many ancient cultures, they were signs of divine disfavor and curses. If someone had a skin disease, they would be politically, religiously, and socially ostracized. And Naaman had a lot to lose. He knew that he was vulnerable and it scared him. But in order for him to lose his leprosy, he had to lose his obsession with greatness, which is easier said than done. He was intent on maintaining his status, on being great. He did not want to be small. But lucky for us, we don't have to wait long in the story for hope to come. And it comes from the smallest of places. From a servant girl who served Naaman's wife. She was kidnapped during one of the raids in Israel. She was a product of Naaman's greatness. She sees Naaman's vulnerability from her place of absolute vulnerability. And she speaks about a prophet who could help him, who could heal him. She had empathy for his situation, and that empathy made her courageous. She didn't have a voice, but she spoke up anyway. She saw someone in pain, teetering on the edge of political and social and religious exile, a place that she knew well. And she shared the knowledge that she had, that there was a prophet who could help him. In this story, wisdom emanates from the small. So, armed with this knowledge, Naaman goes to his king, who writes him a letter of introduction and sends him to Israel with gold and silver and horses and chariots. If converted to today's buying power, the gifts that Naaman brought with him to Israel are worth something like 750 million dollars. It's a testament to the wealth at Naaman's disposal and to the desperation he had to maintain his power. When he gets to Israel, the king of Israel opens the letter and reads, I have sent you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his skin disease. And the king of Israel tears his clothes because he has no idea how to do that. And his failure would no doubt resort to further attacks and raids from Syria. Naaman's king wrote the wrong guy. He was accustomed to greatness, breeding greatness, and he assumed that the king of Israel would have the same knowledge that a simple servant girl had, that he could easily set Naaman up with this prophet who could heal him. But both kings missed the memo that God doesn't deal in greatness but in smallness. Naaman would never know that there was a prophet in Israel by hanging out around the palace. Elisha wasn't welcome at the palace. But Elisha heard that the king had torn his clothes, and he sent word for the king to send Naaman to him. And when Naaman got to him, he was met not by Elisha, but by a messenger, a messenger who told him to wash in the Jordan River seven times and that he would then be healed. And Naaman was displeased by that. He wanted a healing with a little more grandeur. He was a great man. He expected a prayer and some hand-waving. He at least wanted one where he actually met the healer. He deserved a home visit, and he went to the doctor's door, and he still got a telehealth call. <laughs> and the Jordan River, it's, it's dirty and it's small. He comes from a great country with great rivers. What's so great about the Jordan? Nothing. If Elisha didn't have to be present to heal him, how come he couldn't be healed in the comfort of his own home? He's insulted, and his expectations of how God should work have been crushed. Yet once again in the story, wisdom emanates from the small. Naaman's servants go to him and try to talk him down. Sir, if he would have asked you to do something more challenging, you would have done it in a heartbeat but he gave you simple instructions, take him up on it. What Naaman saw as an insult was an opportunity for him to exercise faith, to humble himself, to heal the disease of his greatness. Elisha's command to wash seven times, it's symbolic, but it's also strategic. You can do something once or twice just to get it out of the way. I, I could have my daughter eat a bite or two of zucchini, of zucchini but. If I put seven bites in front of her, it would be a humbling experience for everyone involved. (laughs) And around dunk three or four in the Jordan River, Naaman would have had to adjust his posture from, fine, I'll do this, to, I'm doing this. Naaman would have had to continually submit and humble himself to dunk seven times in a dirty river. And he does. He submits to Elijah's instructions, and the text says his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young, small boy, and he was clean. The waters had not only cleansed him, but humbled him. Both his skin and his attitude had been healed, for he was both clean and small. Some of us, like Naaman, may fear vulnerability, holding on to greatness, or the perception of greatness with white knuckles, terrified of losing control, of becoming small. For those of us in that place, hear words of comfort, that there is power in being small, power in being vulnerable. Or maybe there are others of us who, like the servant girl, live in a constant state of vulnerability, who are unmoored and small, Over the past few weeks with court hearings, and war, and inflation, and elections, and 105 degree weather, I don't feel so great, and I wouldn't be surprised if most of us feel incredibly small, and not in a way that feels powerful. For those of us in that place, may, may we be encouraged that it's from a place of smallness that truth rings out, that healing can come. Maybe it's in times like these when we feel unmoored and small that we're open to hearing a small voice. For it's not in the winds and the earthquake and the fire that hold the power of God, but in a still, small voice. May we as humble people open our ears to hear that voice. May we open our mouths to speak truth. May empathy make us courageous. May we welcome waters that cleanse, be it the Jordan River or the splash pad. No person, no place is too small for God to work through. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.